Well, we continue in our bodybuilding series today. Uh, this is our second week, and we're going to be talking about working out the right way. And uh, just as a quick reminder, I wanted to show you the motto that I hope that we can adopt through the next couple of Sunday mornings when it comes to bodybuilding. Is it's, There's three points to our bodybuilding series motto. The first thing is, is to find your strength. And then the second thing is, is to discover your tools. And the third thing is, is to build your place. Now, last week we talked about finding our strength. And so this week is kind of in the middle of the two points. As we talk about how to work out in the correct way. Now, we can all agree to the fact that we all would like to be healthier, right? Everybody would like to be healthier to somewhat, some degree. Well... I know that from all the commercials that I see on TV that everybody wants to be healthier. There is workout equipment and there is the the magical pills and there is all of these different weight loss programs that are just flooding our television and our computers and our smart devices and our our Facebook feeds and any screen that we have in front of us. It's always before us, but... Some people will go all out in their regiment to stay fit, while others just want that pill that they can take without changing their lifestyles. Come on, doctor. Surely you're telling me I don't have to eat better. Surely you're telling me I don't have to exercise. Don't you have a pill I can take and everything will be okay? Well, unfortunately, uh, that pill does not exist. And, you know, for myself, uh, I've tried the pill before and, and the for me, I have found in the Battle of the Bulls that the bottom line is you've got to work off more than you take in. I mean, that's the science behind it, right? And so uh, I, I am on a, a long journey of, of that process of trying to figure that out and try to apply that in my life. But, you know, to be honest with you, I enjoy working out, especially if it's a chest and arms day. I mean, because you can walk around and you can be all puffed up and, you know, look, look like you worked out and all that kind of great stuff. But now leg days, that's a different story. How many of y'all enjoy working out your legs? Oh, yeah. My wife, here she is. I know. It's leg day. You gonna work out with me? Sure, honey. I will. Well, but yeah, I mean, that, that's part of it. Leg day is another story. Some people enjoy working out their legs and I'll pray for them, but I do it because I know I need it, not because I enjoy it. Again, I'll do leg day because I know that I need it. Not because I enjoy it, because I have seen the effects of only working out certain areas of your body. Now, maybe you've seen those people that look like what I would call a chicken. You see them at the gym, sometimes you see them at the beach. There's these guys and these gals, they will spend all of their time on their upper body. They can muscles everywhere. But then their legs, they look like little poles coming out of their pants. They look like a chicken. Because they have spent all of their effort on upper body and none of their body on the lower body. So that is just an illustration of what I hope to see that uh, you will find in the scriptures this morning. Is that this serves as a great physical illustration of why we need to make the spiritual application of working out the right way. We don't need to do just the things we like. We don't need to do just the things that come easy. We don't need to do just the things that have the most visual punch to them when we see them. Sometimes we have to work out those areas of the body that, that quite frankly, we don't enjoy it, but 
it is time we have to do it. So just like a bodybuilder that must zero in on the muscles that they need most work, if you and I are not working out our spiritual muscles, if you and I are not doing the things that God has created us to do, we will look deformed as a believer. And the reason so many churches are closing their doors today, the reason so many Christians are living below their potential, the reason people are not excited about their faith in Christ is because they have been spending all of their time working out on the things they like and none of the things that they need to do for their health, for the health of their family, and for the health of the church. Quite honestly, that is one of the many reasons why churches are dying today. But just like a bodybuilder, we must zero in on the muscles that need the most work. And if you are not, if you're not willing to do that, you are going to look deformed and unhealthy. And God does not want only one part of our lives. You know that, right? He doesn't want just your money. He doesn't want just your time. He doesn't want just Sundays. He wants everything. Because He created everything and He gave everything. For your benefit. Talking about his son. Jesus Christ. And so he wants all of you. And me. Because he gave all of himself. For you and I. Well let's jump into the scripture. The first thing we see today in Romans 12. And this is a very popular passage. Especially the first two verses. I'm sure that we have. I've looked back and I've preached on this several times here. And. And uh, you will probably hear many people talk about this verse. It is a a good verse. It is a a verse that challenges us. It is a passage that challenges us. And the first thing that we see is that you must be dedicated to be different. You must be dedicated to be different. It doesn't matter that I have a gym membership that drafts out of my checking account every month. That doesn't make me healthier. That makes me poorer. For it to make me healthy, I have to get in that stinking room and start pushing some weight other than just my own. And so what we see here is that you must be dedicated to be different. Let's read verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 12. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation this morning. And it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Uh, that's a lot in that one verse. But then he puts the power pack punch into verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Your Bible might say, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. So don't copy what you see in the world and the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Transform. That means a process. Let Him transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Wow. That's going to take a miracle for some of us. By changing the way we think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. If you've ever been that person like I have been and said, oh, I am just searching for God's will. And tell all your prayer circle people that and tell all your church friends that. Tell the people on your phone and post it on social media. I'm just looking for God's will. 
We can just see how you find it. Right here in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, when he says in verse 1 that I plead with you to give your bodies as a living sacrifice, those of you KJVers out there, and I see you, you're like, about time he talked about the King James Version. In the King James Version, he says, Paul says, I beseech you. I beseech you. That is a beautiful word. And I love the King James translation. I beseech you. But sometimes I think when we see those words that are very poetic and look, and look very pretty to the eye, we don't understand the meaning behind it. Just as this translation says, I plead with you, I want you to get the sense of what Paul is saying. He's saying, A, I need your help. I need you to come alongside of me and be with me. And let's do this together. I exhort you. I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice just like I am doing. He's saying, I don't know about you, but there are times when when I've been working out and I've taught, especially there for about a year, I didn't have a workout partner. Donna was busy doing other stuff and she hadn't jumped on the bandwagon yet. And so I was going to work out by myself. And some days I went to the motions. But when you get a workout partner that's there, and saying, hey, you're going. Hey, I'm going. I'll meet you there. It's different, isn't it? You find a way to get up and to go and to get motivated. I remember when I was in high school and when I was lifting weights, the only reason I wanted to lift weights is because I wanted to outperform the guy beside me. And there was, there was motivation there. Folks, the same goes with our Christian faith, of living our Christian faith. Paul is saying, look, I don't want to do this alone. You're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Let's do this together. The point here is that God created you to live His life that He created for you, but He didn't create you to live it on your own. Go back and read Genesis. There's no such thing as a, a, a solo, single, survivor Christian. That's not the way God created us. He looked at Adam and said, look, it's not good for him to be alone. He needs some help. He needs some companionship. So he created Eve and then they were beautiful and perfect with one another. Folks, the worst thing Satan is going to try to do to you today is A, probably, hopefully he's going to, he's going to try to get you to tune me out and, and God's not going to let him do that. But here's the thing. Satan wants you to think today that you are by yourself. And the walls that you have put up to protect you are the very walls that are imprisoning you and keeping you from doing what God wants to do in your life. So, he says we need to give our bodies to God. Folks, let me just be honest with you. Every minute of the day, we are giving our bodies to something. Maybe it's your right thought life. Maybe it's the feelings that you have. Maybe it's your convictions of right and wrong. Maybe it's your motivation. Every day we give our bodies to our intake. Folks, listen. What we put in our mouths and what we put before our eyes will have an effect on our lives. What are you putting in front of your eyes, folks? What are you putting in front of your ears? I mean, let's be honest. We live in a cesspool today. There are kids in elementary school that cannot do their homework without accidentally running up on pornographic images. 
There, there are Christians out there that are talking just like the world. Dressing just like the world. And they don't see a difference. So the only difference they see between being a Christian and not a Christian is that the Christians go to church once or twice a week. But there's no difference. Be careful what you put before your eyes. Be careful what you put in your ears. That's just like if you'll ever go back and you watch some of these old movies that are on like the the, the old cable channels and, and like the old westerns and stuff. For them, a, a tense word might have been, you know, backside or or just something that was not a bad word. But nowadays, bad words are fair game. On network TV, we've just gotten used to hearing those things. We've got to change the way we think. So our intake, our actions, what we do with our bodies. Let me ask you something. When you do something with your body, do you ask yourself, will what I am doing glorify God or not? That is a great litmus test to use. Paul talks about it in Romans 6.13. Let me show you the verse on the screen. He says, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Any part. That could be your parts that we're not supposed to talk about this morning. But it could be your eyes. It could be your tongue. It could be all kinds of, I mean, if it is part of your body, he says, do not use it as an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. You will never do that unless you are all in. Unless you say, I am a Christian, I'm tired of living This half and half life. You know, Jesus says, if you're lukewarm, you make me so sick, I want to vomit. I I don't want to make Jesus sick. And I'm, I'm tired of living just enough to feel guilty all the time. And Satan is trying to separate me from my Christian friends, separate me from my faith. This brings me to Paul's plea for you and I, where he says that we need to live as a living sacrifice. And not to sound sarcastic, but a living sacrifice, what does that mean? It means that you are living and that you are making a sacrifice for God. Now, I know that's mind-blowing, right? I'm so bright, my mama called me son. That's how smart I am. But a living sacrifice is that we are alive and we are giving ourselves daily to God. You see, the old covenant... It became the way God dealt with sin. If you ever heard of the Old Covenant, basically that means is, if you go back and read in the Old Testament, the way we were forgiven of sins is because we would take animals upon God's discretion and God's instruction, take animals and sacrifice them. And it would be their blood that would atone for our sin because the Bible says clearly in Hebrews 9, 22, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so, time after time, they would give sacrifices to God for their sin. And then what would happen? They would sin some more. They would have to do some more sacrifices until finally this whole system became broken because what happened is, is that man found a way to build themselves up and make themselves look spiritual apart from God. 
It was broken and needed to be fixed. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to make this new covenant. Jesus was living and he was a sacrifice. And so Romans 12, 2 does a great job in describing what a living sacrifice is. If you want, he says, be a living sacrifice. And then verse 2, he shows us what that means. If you want to live the transformed life that Paul is talking about, this is what it means. You don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. You won't, but you will let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, when I say that you need to not be conformed to the behaviors of this world, let me just drill down a little deeper for a second because sometimes when you hear the behaviors of the world or the world is evil, you kind of tend, seem to gloss over that because you don't want to get all specific because if you get specific, then it might hit you. Because I know that I do the same thing. And so let me just give you this little perspective. First John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world only offers a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything that we see. And pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. If you want to live a living sacrifice life, if you want to live the transformed life, that means saying no to your selfishness and no to your pride. Even though everybody else thinks that looking at those images or putting those things in their lives or doing these things with their body, everybody's doing it. It's okay. <coughs> it's not. It says right here that these things that cause physical pleasure that we are using in the wrong way are the things of the world and we should not do it. How do we become transformed into a person with a new way of thinking? How can you think a new way? How can you change your programming? Well, let me show you this. <clears throat> this new thinking that Paul is talking about. Let me show you on the slide here. The first thing. Here's how you have a new way of thinking. Jesus makes you a new person. Point blank. If you have accepted Jesus Christ into your life as Savior Lord at some moment... The dead version of you was just that, dead. And the new creature has arisen. But the problem is, so many times we become that new creature and we train it to do the things we used to do. A new creature doing old things. You'll never get right thinking by living the old way. Let me tell you, my friend, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, Lord, and He delivered you from something, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, that something that He delivered you from will never give you the peace that it gave you before you met Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't preach to you as someone who is better than you, but I'm just here to tell you, if living that life was so good, why didn't I go back to it? You cannot go back to it. Because you are a new creature. Number two, depend on God's word. Second Timothy 3, 15 and 16 talks about the fact that all scripture 
is inspired by God and useful to help you think in a new way. And then the third thing is, we need to measure everything to God's will. Now, some of you are very good at making things. And I've seen some of y'all work, and, and one of the things that you need in your toolbox is a measuring tape, right? You gotta have a measuring tape. I know if I was a kid, I used to love it because I broke every one my dad had because I'd be like, whoom, 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 until I broke the spring. But you know what? What they say that in carpentry work, measure, measure twice and cut once. You're measuring to make sure that whatever length you need is the same across the board. May I ask you something? What do you measure God's will by? What's the measuring stick? I'll tell you what it is. It's God's word. And it's God's will. People say, oh, again, I want to find God's will for my life. That sounds so spiritual and so pious. But at the end of the day, moment by moment, when you are forced with decisions, that desire to quench your pride and your selfishness, or that desire to please God, whichever one of those wins out will be whether you are in the will of God or not. The will of God is not some destination to reach. It's the journey you take to get there. Measure everything according to God's will. So to find your strength and to build it, you need to have a purpose and a plan and a place. And you will never know God's will apart from your life unless you accept Him and depend on His word for guidance. And live a godly life with biblical conviction. Why is it so hard to live according to the, God, the word of God today? It, it's been hard ever since creation began. But the problem is, is that when many of you were growing up, many of you that have some miles on you, you were raised to know that this book was the authoritative, inerrant word of God. And somewhere along the way, society has said, eh, this is a book of suggestions. Not everything in that is literal. You can believe that if you want, but, but there's a greater truth. There's, there's the truth of what we think ought to be right. Folks, we are trying to process black and white decisions in a world that is nothing but gray. That is why I cannot tell you enough to quit looking at the polls. Quit looking at the news channels. Quit looking at your Facebook feed. Quit looking at the opinions of others and, and the, the, the columns and the, the newspapers to get your convictions. This is where our convictions need to be. It doesn't matter what your friends down the street do. It doesn't matter what your other family members do. This matters. And many of our younger folks today, they were not raised in the world of black and white. They were raised in gray. That's why they have a hard time looking to black and white. Let's go down to verses 6 through 8. If you want to work out the right way, you need to share your workout with others. You need to share your workout with others. Let's read verses 6 through 8. It says, in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. 
So if God has given you the ability to prophesy and speak out with as much faith as God has given you, if your gift is serving, serve others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Basically, if God has given you a thing, do your thing. If God has given you a thing, do your thing. God gives us tools not only to build our lives, but more importantly, to build others. The best way to use what you learn and build is to use it in helping others. It does not matter that I know how to help someone that is in need of a rescue. It doesn't matter that I have friends and equipment that can do things that I could never do on my own. But what makes a difference is when me and my friends get together, we can use the tools that have been given to us and that we have learned to hurt, to help somebody that is hurting. That goes for rescuing, that goes for helping, but it also should go for the church as well. I am a product of people who use their gifts to impart in me the desire to follow God. You and the things that God has given you, the things that God has given Homeland Park Baptist Church, whether you've been here 50 years or 5 minutes, God has given you these tools to build yourself, to get you strong, and to build this church. And Paul here gives a list. And, and just for a note here, when it says if you can prophesy, then do that. When, when he wrote that, that doesn't mean you need to be able to see into the future and be a prophet. What that word means is actually, if you can tell the story of the gospel, then tell it. That's what it's saying. Prophecy and speak. It's just sharing your story. If you can tell somebody that you're talking with, man, let me tell you what, I know, I know you're having a tough time right now. Let me just tell you, my life before I met Christ was like this. And spend a minute telling them this. And then say, you know what? At some point in my life, I realized that God came into my life. And now my life is different because of this. And you can say that in three minutes. You have just shared the gospel by accident. You have shared your gospel story. And hey, if you know a verse or two, use them. But if you don't, that's okay. Share your story. Prophesy. Speak. And share Speaking of others, I'll finish with this part. It says, use your strength to live the transformed life. Use your strength to, to live the transformed life. And this is verses 9 through 21. And, and we're not going to read every verse right now because I'll tell you what. <coughs> I, I should market this and come up with some kind of package where if you... Give me $9.99. I will teach you how to live a transformed life. Amen. Package it. Give you a DVD. Give you a bookmark. I'll even give you something to post on the internet. But it's just scripture, folks. Paul's already done the hard work. He tells us here how to live the transformed life. So not only does he say in verses 1 and 2 that you should live the transformed life. Now he shows us 
what that looks like. Every workout, folks, needs a goal. What's that old saying? If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You need to have a goal. Don't think that you're better than somebody else. And I'm kind of paraphrasing what verses 9 through 21 says. It's important that we measure our faith to what God has provided for us in Jesus and His Word, not the faith of other people. I'll tell you what, it's very easy to compare ourselves to someone else, is it not? For example, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Guys, I'm going to let you in on a little secret if you haven't figured this out yet. Your wife or your girlfriend or your sister or whoever, the females in your life, they are looking at other women. And they are looking at them thinking, well, I wonder if she's prettier than me. I wonder what he thinks about me. Because I know, listen, when I said yes to Donna, I said no to any woman I would ever meet. But we'll be out somewhere, and a lady will walk by, and she'll say, "Mm mm-hmm. And I'll just look at her and say, honey, you are the only thing that I need. But listen, I did youth ministry for many years. And I know the the battle that many females face in judging themselves in accordance to what the world says ought to be beautiful. There is no way a female today can compete with what's on the internet and what's in magazines because there's programs called Photoshop. that manipulate photos. There are things that just, you'll nowhere, never face up to that. And I'll be honest with you, men over the years, especially with social media, they have become vain and they are just as bad. And so, whether it be us looking at somebody physically and comparing ourselves with them and always feeling inferior, so can we do that spiritually. If you've ever looked at somebody and said, well, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm not as bad as that other person. You know what that other person does? You have just devalued your faith, and you have just devalued the life that that God God has put on that person when you look down on somebody else. Do not judge others, and do not compare your faith to others. Some of you might say, you know, my my faith is nowhere near the preacher's. (laughs) You don't need to compare yourself to my faith. I got my walk. I got my issues. You got your issues. We all got issues. But you know what? That's where the grace of God comes in. And that's how, for some reason, God makes Holman Park Baptist Church work. Is it not because of our greatness, but because of His greatness? He says for us to love each other with genuine affection and honoring them. He tells us to not be lazy and to work hard to serve the Lord. He tells us to be patient in trouble, to be persistent in prayer, and to be ready to help those in need. If you want to live a transformed life, do these things. So you cannot say in heaven, Well, God, I know know it said I need a transformed life, but uh, I never really knew what that meant. He's like, you idiot, I just showed you. That's kind of like you go for a job description, a job interview, and you're talking with a guy, and the guy says, "Oh, yeah, we want you to do these things." You say, uh, "Can I have a job description?" Uh, no, we don't have one of those. You just do what we tell you to do. 
You better watch out. Because almost every job description has that what at the end of it? Other duties as assigned. Folks, there is nothing vague. There is no code to crack. God is telling us plainly what it means to live a transformed life. And Paul even teaches us how to deal with people. Like I've said before, those people that God placed in your life as sandpaper to knock the edges off of you. Because remember, there is no person, there is no thing, nothing that comes into our life that does not pass through God's hands. And so when we're dealing with difficult people, God bless them. It says, bless those who persecute you. What? Is that really in there? Afraid so. Bless those who persecute you. Pray for God to bless them. Be happy with people who are happy. Weep with those who weep. I'll tell you what. Some of the most meaningful times in my life and the most meaningful times that I've had with people that God has given me the privilege of being in their life with is when tragedy strikes. They don't want to hear the top five things that a preacher says. They don't want to hear oh, to be absent with the bodies, to be present with the Lord. They don't want to hear, God, it's all going to work out right. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just weep with somebody who's weeping. Or just to be there. We don't need to throw a casserole in their face. But if you want to throw one in my face, I'm open to it. But some of the most meaningful times you can have with your friends is just being there. And encouraging them. And this is what Paul is telling us to do. I just sounded like Barney Fife right there in that moment. I guess I need to quit watching so many. What to do? Sorry. That thought, I should have just let it go. I'll close with this. He then tells us to conquer evil by doing good. There will be evil that will come into your life, either because you welcomed it, or because of spiritual warfare. But either way, we all are going to endure evil. And it says in Romans twenty twenty one, If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will be heaping burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. There are people in churches this moment, and maybe even some in this very room, that will never be free to fully love God and to fully serve God because they are letting something take their joy. Because somebody has done something to them that they will not forget. Or they have been treated in some way that that by the world standards probably would be wrong. We've all been wronged by somebody. And again, we all have people that are sandpaper that God brings into our lives. But it is not... To destroy us, it is to make us better. And how is that? Is what Paul says right here. Now remember, Paul is writing this after being thrown in jail multiple times for preaching the gospel. Wow, what a scoundrel. And he, if he can say, look, the people that are locking me up for the cause of Christ, don't let that evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. You've got somebody that's getting on your last nerves. Pray for them. If you've got a situation that is just every time you think about that person, the hair on your neck just goes. Pray for that person. 
It might not change them. But who does it change? You. You. What is the use in working out if we're not going to use our strength to honor God and to help others? We honor people not for what they will do for us, but out of a love for God. If you love God, you will love His people. And quit trying to be what the world wants you to be. Because if you want to give your body as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God, it starts with your heart. It starts with your heart. Allow God to transform you into who He created you to be. And we honor God by honoring people. We honor God by honoring people. Find your strength. Discover your tools. And build your place. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word today. And Lord, I am very grateful that I am not perfect by any means. But Lord, I have found what it means to live a transformed life. And I don't want to go back to the way I used to live. And it's not because I'm great, but it's because you are great. And that in my weakness, your strength is made perfect. And Lord, I do pray that fit folks in this church would find their strength in loving people and serving you. Because Lord, there is a lot this church has yet to accomplish. But I know you have given us the people. If you will just give them the heart. Maybe there's someone today that wants to know you as their Savior. Lord. Maybe there's someone who says, look, I, you've been talking to me all morning that, that I want that new life. I want a new way of thinking. I want to be able to handle things not as the world handles them because the, world is, the weight of the world is just crushing my shoulders. And I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. Maybe you have a prayer need. Maybe you want to get baptized or join the church or just come to the altar, whatever it may be. God, would you move in the lives of these believers to make a commitment? For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?